And hello, Pagan World, and we're back for another night. And I want to thank you all for making me one of the fastest-growing shows that are escalating up the um, list of all Somores different radio. I've been getting once I've been getting back into this. This has been like an amazing adventure. And so, you know, the last ones we were doing were uh, spectacular, and I, I find to keep up that that energy. As we talk about the new year, we've talked about other things. Today, I'm with Chris Aldridge. And uh, one of the strong people who's got a good, strong voice on the Facebook pages that you see me on, and he's always he's discussing a, a point of view of paganism that is his, and others too. I mean, there's a lot of it, and he's really accessible. Um, but let me go ahead and say today, remember, the witchies has really turned out well. People are really talking about it, and we're going to do more stories about it. And remember, go vote uh, at the witchies. You know where to look for it. And uh, vote for Magic TV and my movie, Journey to the Parliament. I would really appreciate that. Uh, more coming up. Uh, I think it's going to be Sunday, but we've got The Birth of Paganism with Oberon Zell. And I'm going to tell you, for everybody who's asked questions, he gives a really good answer of why he is the father, of, why he sees himself as the father of modern paganism. And when you hear it, it's going to make a whole lot of sense. He did me blow away interview and i'm going to have another blow with chris aldridge welcome aboard thank you for being on the show it's good to be here thank you okay so give us a, a, a moment of what it is because everybody here is obviously pagan world and a pagan point of view but i want to know who are you i mean we i i think a lot of audience would be fascinated by what you do and instead of me kind of garbling it like i usually do I'm going to let you go ahead and explain it for yourself. Okay. Well, um, put it briefly, I'm, uh, like you said, I'm Chris Aldrich. I'm the founder and head priest of Temple of the Greek Gods of North Central Illinois. Um, I'm a fairly, I would say I'm a pretty successful writer for the south of my community. Um, I'm a historian. Um, I just got my bachelor's degree from Columbia College of Missouri, as a matter of fact. I'm a mythologist. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm a mythologist, a philosopher, a public speaker. Um, Martial artist, civil rights activist, kind of, kind of a little bit of everything that I enjoy doing with the communities that I'm part of. But mainly, mm-hmm. my life is centered around my religion and my writing. That's mainly my my focus in life. And, and that's part of it. So, so you you write on your website, and I think it's caldridge.com. Did I get that right? It's, I mean, it's caldridge.net. And we're going to put that, and that'll be in the notes. So, yay. So, what? Uh, so, the, you're a very specific temple. It sounds like it, because you go all the way down to where it's located, of uh, Illinois. And it's a, it's a temple of the Greek mm-hmm. gods of central and northern Illinois. Am I right? Is that? North, north central Illinois, yeah. Michelle, oh, no. Huh? Yeah. We're on the Rockford area. Yeah. So, that's a very particular location. Can you tell us about the Temple of the Greek Gods. What is it that you you're, you offer to the world or offer to the gods? Well, we originally started in High Point, North Carolina. That's where I'm from. I'm Thomasville specifically, but um, North Carolina is where we kind of had our start. And eventually, after we moved to my wife's hometown of Freeport, Illinois, uh, you know, the temple just came with us. Um, and eventually, we when we bought our first house uh, in 2019, it was in Machesney Park which is a mm-hmm. really good neighborhood to live in, and um, bustling little city for its size. And that's where we just 
settle down as our kind of our center. Um, although a lot of Hellenism is a pretty small religion, even within polytheism and paganism itself. And so um, it's unrealistic what? to expect all the, Hellen- all the Hellenists to come to your temple. And so we do a lot of virtual stuff. Uh, you can't really put a temple anywhere um, and think that you're going to get the majority of people from that religion to come there, um, even if you're in a mainstream religion. And so mm-hmm. a religion as small as ours, we, we focus a lot on virtual events, but we do have physical location here in Machesen Park. Um, and we are dedicated to the worship of the Greek gods. That's what we do. That's who we are. Um, that's, a, mainly the, that's, a, that's very interesting. Go ahead. Please do. Um, there's two factions of ancient Greek worship. There's Reconstructionism and Neopaganism, kind of like in anything. Um, I'm Reconstructionist, which is Hellenismus, and the temple is largely Reconstructionist, but we, anyone who wants to worship the Greek gods can, can, can come to our temple and do it, can be, can be part of us. It's not, um, it's, it's not exclusivity in terms of what your belief system is. Uh, we, we do have our own definitions of what piety is, and that's based on Reconstructionism. Um, but in the general framework of things, we don't tell people what to believe or even largely how to practice. If they worship the Greek gods and they believe in them and respect them, then they can be part of our temple. But mainly we're Reconstructionists, I would say. And Reconstructionist Hellenism, Reconstructionist Hellenism is reconstructing ancient Greek religion um, as best as it can possibly be done in modern times. Because I believe I'm safe to say that the idea around Reconstructionism is the idea that the ancient Greeks knew best how to connect with the ancient Greek gods, and so that's the way we do it. And it certainly connects me better than any other way uh, for me personally. Well, that's fair enough. I mean, uh, as over the years, we've done some interesting discussions with uh, people who have been involved with the Hellenistic movement, uh, uh, Moonraven, and we've done some amazing stuff. And you're right. It's, it's but it is an up-and-coming belief set. Uh, here in, in Illinois, in Central Illinois, is it, has it caught here? I know down in Florida it has done really well. Uh, Nashville's got a community, but the community around here, is, is, is there a community around here in the Chicagoland? I know everybody's going to say, around here, where do you mean? I know you guys are listening to me everywhere, but. Uh, well, there is most certainly our temple. There is most certainly us. Um, I don't know. I don't have the numbers on that for Illinois. I haven't really looked into it. Um, I would think that you would probably find more people who identify as pagan but also worship the Greek gods than you would people who are exclusively Hellenist. That would be mm-hmm. my guess. Um, okay. But, yeah, you're right. There's places all over the world where it's making a big comeback, especially mm-hmm. in Greece. And the reason it's most notable there is because a few years back, um, there's an organization called the Supreme Council of Ethnic Hellenes. There's one in Greece and one in America. And the one in Greece, um, their, their movement eventually became so strong and so influential that they, that the Greek government finally recognized Hellenism once again as a, as a religion in their country. And that was a, that's a huge accomplishment because that country is ruled not just by the majority of the population. They are ruled by the Christian Orthodox Church. <laughs> um, that's their government. I, I, I don't know how bad it is now. But I do know that for most of the modern history, they've basically been a Christian theocracy. So for the ancient Greeks today to be able to gain recognition once again is a huge accomplishment. 
and it shows oh. that it's gaining enough growth and momentum that I hope that I may be able to live long enough to see Hellenism become part of world legitimacy again. And mm. I, I really hope I do live to see that. So do you see it as pagan and pagan or pagan but uh, but but Greek? I mean, do you still okay, – because right now one of the biggest discussions everybody's having, and let me go ahead and say it, is the identity, the pagan identity. Is it a movement – yeah, you know, which I think it is. I think it's a movement more than anything else. Is it a place that we are commonly like an alliance? Is it commonly, is it just the big umbrella? Um, and some of the groups like I know Wiccans. There's a you know at the Parliament of World Religions, we we represented ourselves. So, but how mm-hmm. do you see you fitting into that overall umbrella? And there's no right or wrong answer, of course. Just just your impression. I've actually I've wanted to come speak at the Parliament of World Religions for a long time. Um, I don't know if they're Good coming job. back to this area again. Yeah, I don't know if oh. they're coming back to this area again anytime soon. But thirty years. But um, <laughs> do what now? Thirty years. Uh, maybe twenty, but thirty years. It's been, it's like the Olympics. It's um, they're bidding on the next one. Uh, oh, maybe it'll uh, be in Iowa or Wisconsin. <laughs> so we would have to come for, forward with that, but it's always possible. The Maharishi's uh, university is in Iowa, so. Uh, okay. Yeah. You know, uh, so, but again, how do you? Where do you see yourself in the mosaic we call paganism? Uh, I would definitely consider myself Hellenist. That would be the. If there's any umbrella I would fall under, it would be that one. It's really kind of. People use the term. There's an umbrella in every religious category. <clears throat> right. Um. It's it's really it's really kind of dishonest to say the ancient Greek religion because there were many. Ancient Greek religions. Uh, the, the ancient Greek world was filled with different city-states that had their own ways of doing things, their own myths, even their own festivals. Um, not to mention the various cults that were everywhere. So there were many ancient Greek religions. But if I had to make an umbrella, it would be ancient Greek religion. That's what I would fall under. Um, okay. And and my, my practices and my beliefs are dominantly based on what the ancient Greeks believed and what they would have done. And not because I feel like I was taught to be that way. That's just how I connect. That's just where I feel most spiritual. Um, And so that's who I am. I don't use the term pagan to describe myself a whole lot. I mean, I'll use it when I'm talking to people in modern society so they'll understand what I mean. You would be amazed at how many people, even Greeks, who don't know what Hellenist means. I had a therapist many years ago. who was from Greece, or at least she was Greek Orthodox. Um, She was a Greek Christian, and she had always Mm -hmm. been that. So she had grown up being that. So she knew uh, Greek history. She knew Greek culture, at least in terms of the Orthodox um, culture. Mm -hmm. And um, part of the questionnaire was what my religion was, and I said Hellenism or Hellenismus. And she had no idea what Hellenism was. This is a woman who was from Greece, who had been educated in the Greek way, at least as far as modern society goes, she had no idea what Hellenism was. Even people who don't follow it religiously, historians who aren't religiously Hellenist, some of them even know what it means. But for this woman who was Greek to not know what Hellenism means just completely blew me away. She had no idea what it was. But when I'm talking to someone in in mainstream society, I may use Greek pagan or something like that, um, Mm -hmm. or at least Hellenic polytheists. 
so that they'll understand, you know, who I am and where I'm coming from. Generally, though, I don't like to use the term pagan a lot because it was given to us as an insult by Christians. But on the other hand, the meanings of words do change over time. I don't consider oh. it to be an insult. I don't consider it to be an insult anymore, but I also consider it to be a general term. So whenever I can, when I'm describing myself, I use Hellenist. But I understand that there's a lot of people who may not know what that means. And so I may use more well, general terms audience, they would understand. Our audience certainly does. Uh, so that's okay. good to tell us. Um, uh, oh, sh- we've talked about before on about the various things that are happening in Greece. Uh, uh, it's been fascinating. Uh, it, it, the growth of paganism worldwide in Greece, uh, because I think there's they also have a tourist. Uh, uh, Lori, Lady Lori Dunman went over there uh, last year and got to see some of the big okay. temples. And, and for them to kind of, they're starting to re-embrace it for tourist dollars, if no other reason. Let's face it, money's money, and uh, and so they're willing to bend for money, and I find that fascinating too. But it's good here. So, but you're not in the ancient Greece. But you're here in America, probably in the heartland of America, with this yep. uh, ancient faith, um, and you practice it. And I've seen, I've seen your Facebook pages, seen some of the other materials you put out, and you've got armor, and you've got the uh, the sort of spiritual garb. I, and I, I love spiritual garb. I think, you know, what people <laughs> wear is a bit amazing. I do, um, I do, and I, I find it that you put together an outfit, you work on health, and everything else. Can you talk a little bit about your daily practice? What would it, not too much about the secret side of it, but what would we could all recognize? What would we recognize as part of your like daily or weekly, or do you even do any of that uh, ritual at all? Um, and oh, you know, oh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna certainly do. I'm gonna certainly do. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I love my armor. Um, what I actually, it, it wasn't a huge, when I first became a Hellenist, it wasn't a huge part of um, the identity, I guess you could say. I mean, just mm-hmm. wearing, you know, Hellenic robe, Hellenic robes would would be fine. Um, <clears throat> I haven't seen a modern Hellenist put on armor, although I'm sure they I'm sure they exist. Um, but when I actually got married um, in 2011 in Thomasville, North Carolina, we wanted a Greek wedding, and I thought to myself, what would be a really unique way that I could look ancient Greek in this wedding? And so I ordered myself a set of armor. Back then, it was uh, it was very basic, and it was made of steel. It was horribly uncomfortable. Um, that's why I have leather armor now because it's adjustable. If you get steel armor and you get the wrong size, you're done. Um, <laughs> hopefully, you can squeeze into it a little bit, but either way, mm-hmm. it's all terrible to move around, and it's very uncomfortable no matter what the material is. But um, I do love my armor. It does give me a sense of, of strength. It does give me a sense of a Hellenic identity. And one thing I always say about it is that the ancient Greeks believed in gods of peace, but they also wore armor because they understood there was a time for each one. And oh, so yeah. that, that's kind of that's kind that's kind of one of the one of the realities of life I kind of portray with it. But as far as my daily practices go, um, well, first of all, being a Hellenist, the gods are part of everything you do. The ancient Greeks didn't have a word for religion because it would have been absurd, kind of to separate the two. They had no understanding of life apart from religion. Religion was their life. It was a matter of course. Um, so there was no need to separate it, separate the two from each other. Um, being a Hellenist was a religious life, uh, was a spiritual life. 
And so in the mornings, I usually walk into my temple. Um, I'm washed and clean and everything first. I have on clean clothes and all that stuff. Uh, you don't approach the gods in, a, in any state of impurity. You do your best to be clean and presentable and respectful. And normally, I'll just approach the altar, light the altar flame. Um, generally, the, the daily offering is just a, a really good batch of incense, uh, good quality incense, frankincense. And so I just burn that um, in sacrifice and prayer to all the gods of Hellas, the spirits, heroes, and deified mortals and ancestors, uh, beginning and ending with Hestia because she is the first and last. She is the balance. She is the, the Alpha and Omega in general Hellenic rites. Um, and that would basically be it. The gods always come first in my life. Whenever I get up in the morning, um, if there's something I have to do first, if it can't wait, that's a little bit different. But I don't put off bringing the gods first and foremost in my life every day. If you can't put the gods first, what can you put first? And so every morning when I get up, one of the first things I do, if not the first thing, is to go into that temple and sacrifice to the gods every day. And it, it makes my life more blissful. I've heard Helena say that one of the reasons we worship the gods is not because we expect something, but just because their presence makes life more more of a blessing, and it really does. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I've, I've heard it. I personally, I have practices. Um, I'm not as disciplined as many people unless it is, of course, uh, heading straight to the coffee pot. Um, not to make light of that. I mean, I am always amazed at people who have great discipline. I think uh, I think that one of the things I think that does make some of the some of the practices out there stronger is that uh, Hellenism, especially, I've noticed that the that there is this more disciplined approach. That the gods are more active, the gods are more personal, the goddesses are more in your life than, say, some others. Um, okay. Uh, so I've seen that before. So as you're saying, the gods come first, and that it is an important part of it. So we talked during COVID one time about festivals, and and you were pointing out the 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 general accepted Celtic slash, you know, Celtic, uh, Western European uh, Wheel of the Year did not match for the Greek, uh, the Greek traditions. So, we're, so we're, we're through New Year. So what is the Greek, sort of the Greek Hellenistic New Year traditions that you would have this time of year? Or are there? Um, well, first of all, you're right. Um, the, the, there is no Wheel of the Year. It's a, it's a 12-month calendar, um, mm-hmm. just like we have in, in modern culture today. Um, but there, there is no, no, there is no will of the year. We do celebrate the solstices and equinoxes in an ancient Greek format. Um, mm-hmm. there, there, there is, there is nothing that says um, in Hellenism. There's nothing that says you can't, to a reasonable extent, adopt something modern into Hellenism, but it cannot contradict the Greek worldview. So fair enough. And that's the way. It, that's the way it was in ancient times as well. The Greeks did borrow things from other cultures. But they didn't borrow anything that would have been foreign to them. What they borrowed was really already Greek to begin with um, mm-hmm. as far as they were concerned. So to them, they weren't stealing anything. They weren't taking anything into their culture that wasn't already part of their mindset to begin with. Um, gotcha. So there's nothing that says you can't do that. So w- within reason, there are celebrations even in modern paganism that we may bring in and celebrate in an ancient Greek format. And solstices and equinoxes would be one of them. 
Um, so yeah, I don't see any reason why, like the winter solstice, which just passed, I don't see any reason why that couldn't be a festival of Helios. Mm-hmm. You know. So. Um, okay. Um, so are there anything that is uniquely Hellenistic festival that you would say, you know, this is something, do they hold anything that's like theirs? I mean, I know AGC does the Elysian Mysteries every spring, um, which is, How do um, they do that? oh, they have a whole, oh, they AGC, they have a whole play. They have, oh my gosh, they go all out. They have the gods and it, it's a very interesting piece and they do the plays. Um, check it out, ATC uh, March, and this year uh, Spring Mysteries it's called, and man, it's it's, it's okay. they're and filling up, folks. Check it out, ATC, ATC dot org, um, and we have even when I was talking with Oberon Zell this morning, he was talking about how his first introduction to paganism as a very very young child before he even went to kindergarten, right was the Greek mm-hmm. mysteries, uh, the m- Greek mythologies. Oh, yeah. hmm? And so yeah, we're all pretty influenced. So we all kind of know. So this is interesting to me is because, you know, we kind of know and we don't know the Greek gods. I mean, they're part of modern America cinema. They're part of our comic books. They're part of our stories. We base stories on them in the Odyssey, the Iliad. Um, was something that was in our founding fathers' libraries. So we've, always, um, so we've always had this Greek culture. And I've heard somebody says, you know, when the Romans conquered the Greeks, the Greeks conquered the Romans, meaning the culture that came yeah. into the Romans was essentially Greek. Um, and they Absolutely. absorbed it. Um, so we have this. Uh, so can you talk to us about that underlying, maybe what we call a pop culture, uh, Greek mythology that we all have? Well, um, the, the the Romans did. It's, it's extremely obvious the Romans did adopt, adopt the ancient Greek religions. I mean, you cannot accidentally happen to come up with all the same stories and all the same names and things like that. It would be absurd to think that. Uh, of course, they adopted it, but they also made it their own. So right. the Roman gods are not the same as the Greek gods. We do not see them as the same. They are different gods. They were adopted from the Greeks, but they are different deities. Um, as far as far as uh, modern culture, um, I kind of I, I kind of don't want to I kind of don't want to reference Bill Clinton because his name was on the Epstein list. Um, <laughs> but um, but anyway, um, when Bill Clinton was president, one thing he said was that we're all Greeks, and that's very much that can't be denied. They the ancient Greeks built Western civilization. There's a reason we don't think about it growing up. A lot of people don't even think about it as adults. But, there's a reason that our courthouses and government buildings look like ancient Greek temples because it, it is from the ancient Greeks that we get our culture, get our ideas of theology, of freedom, of democracy. In terms of modern media, I don't really, I don't really like a whole lot of it because Hollywood doesn't respect the gods. They, they really don't. They make oh, no. fun of them. They make fun of them. They talk junk about them. They they don't portray them accurately. One th- one thing that drives me crazy. One of the things that drives me the most crazy is when they paint Hades as the devil. I can't stand that. It is just ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> but then again, they're trying to pander to the mainstream religion, which is Christianity. They're trying to make people oh, sure. understand it. But that's, 
but 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 portraying it in an inaccurate way is not the way to help them understand it. Doing it accurately is how to help them understand it. But as, as far as modern media goes, I don't have a problem with it if they if they do the gods justice, if they're if they're respectful, if they do it correctly. But I don't like them just taking Greek culture and you know putting their own mask on it and saying this is ancient Greece when it's not. And secondly, doing it not for the purpose of giving any kind of homage to ancient Greece, but just for raking in the most money possible. Please hold on for one minute. All right, everybody, this is a Pagan World News break. This is a Pagan World News uh, alert. Uh, Rabbi David J. Wolpe will be talking, having a conversation on January 18th at Vanderbilt uh, University. You have to be a student, a faculty member, or a, a faculty or staff to attend the meeting. So if we have anyone out at Vanderbilt University, get a chance to cover it. And we're going to return back with Chris Aldridge, Temple of the Greek Gods, uh, Northern Illinois. And um, as we've been talking about Hellenism and how it has been effect and effect on the West, and I can understand, and we were talking about Hades, and the fact that Hades, which has this beautiful story with Persephone, hmm? mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the great romances. Uh, they just did a play on, on, on Broadway about this. And it's one of the great romances uh, and people say, oh, it's just to tell the story about winter and spring and fall and all that. But underlying it, there's a whole lot more to it. And it's like probably one of the best known stories. But in order to counter counter it, they turn Hades into a devil. I mean, uh, the devil, the, the gods of the last religion must become the devils of the new religion. Some weirdly mm. uh, fat, you know, weird, weird contexture that would maybe talk about it. So. You see them kind of and belittling the gods and things of that nature. Is there anywhere where they kind of is there anywhere in pop culture where they're or in culture where they're kind of expanding them or you know bringing them to people in a way that would be an interesting presentation? Uh, one thing I think would be interesting is this: <clears throat> you talk about Hades and Persephone. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's so many people. A, a lot of people in modern society just don't understand that story. And I'll tell you why they don't understand it, <clears throat> because they don't understand how times have greatly changed from ancient Greek to, to modern time. They they commonly like to think of it as a story of, or they assume that it's a story of abduction and rape, right? Um, but it's it's not at all. In ancient times, well, Zeus was Persephone's father, and he gave her to Hades in marriage. In ancient times, it was not uncommon at all for a father mm-hmm. to arrange a marriage for his daughter. That's just Simon. the way it happens. And, and, Even and, in modern and, times. And thought, yeah, it yeah, happens in modern times too. And mm-hmm. especially back then, she would not have seen it as anything, as any sort of an affront. She would not have seen it as rape. She would not have seen it as abduction. She would have seen it as her father arranging a marriage for her to a very worthy man, a deity, okay? I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome, right? Um, mm-hmm. Of course, she was a god. She was a goddess too. She was a deity as well. But nevertheless, uh, in any case, um, it, it, back then it would not have been considered anything unorthodox. That's just the way things happened. So it would not have been looked at as um, any kind of Im- immorality. And so I wish that would be. I wish that's one thing that that they would portray, that they would teach modern society about, instead of just letting them assume that it's something that's not. So that 
Yeah, and that's probably the greatest crime of Hollywood will always do. They uh, the Disneyfication, because Disney's probably one of the biggest ones. I mean, well, I guess who it is? Marvel Comics uh, um, has done a lot of that, but but certainly we see Hollywood taking all these sort of uh, tropes and creating into it. I mean, I've seen. I mean, I you know they 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 love to redo like Hercules, the, you know, the, the labors of Hercules. But Persephone is starting to be explored. I think there is this desire. So, so okay. So let's go on to the last piece. You have a degree. You've got yourself a bachelor's degree. You're a mythologist, and you got yourself a bachelor's degree. That's very impressive. And I'm not meaning mm-hmm. that in any way, but it is. So what's the life of a mythologist? Where do you go from here? I mean, what? That's well, my, my degree is not in mythology. Oh, okay. <laughs> I misunderstood that. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, my degree is in uh, history and general studies. Okay, history and general studies. Um, Again, historians yeah. are, are are tough. It's a tough job. Uh, are you looking to become a teacher? Are you going to deepen your faith? Are you going to become more of a writer? You know, or, you know where do you go with that? Because you have a unique, I, you have a unique uh, intelligence set. We would call it. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't consider myself to be wise at all. Um, oh, I think so. But under, I, under, I, I, I like interviewing people. I always tell everybody has genius. You know, and they go, oh, no, 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 everybody has a genius. And it's your duty in life to find out what your genius at. You know, and if you think you're a fish and they ask you to climb in a tree, of course, you're not. You're always going to think you're stupid. Um, right. right. But if they say, hey, we need you to go down to the depths of your darkest waters, fish, well, they become a genius at that. So I, th- I think it's true of, of everybody. And I think one of the things I think I, I, I see of yours is that you hold your opinion. We, you, you definitely hold your opinion in things, and so I'm kind of interested. Where do you go from here? And I think that's a it's a noble act to hold one's opinion. What do I mean by that? I could already see the puzzles in the heads. What I mean is, I've talked about it before, is that you're not swayed by the trends. You answer them. And uh, Chris is one of the most prolific uh, question answers of my. A barrage of questions that everybody gets so mad at sometimes, and sometimes they like them, but you know it. We're into the three thousands now, um, and Chris answers them, and and you you stay consistent in your answers. It doesn't mean you don't change your mind, but you're consistent in your answer. You can see where things change if they need to, and mostly you hold your ground and you hold it well. Um. But where, you know, so this is an, it makes it even further an interesting skill set because you really want people to understand the gods. You want to understand these gods. Do you see them as living entities in, in this world? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. They're as real as you and me. Okay. I have no, I, it, yeah. it's a very strong Absolutely thing. Absolutely. So you Absolutely did open up. Okay. And you did mention the Greek gods and the Roman gods are separate gods now. How you know how did that do they is that they were older gods and they got names put on them or you know how that's a one you know that's a one we're going to reconcile in the future Chris and I will talk about that sort of interesting reconciling of Rome because I think there's more answers to that than we can cover here but if you want to take a quick stab at it I'd be happy to have you do so Okay. Well, I mean, um, they they were integrated into Roman culture, but the, the Roman culture was also its own culture to a great extent. And okay. so, yes, yes, they adopted the framework of ancient Greek religion and society, but they mm-hmm. also made it Roman as well. 
So, gotcha. I mean, it, 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 it's a Roman religion. If it were the, I'll put it this way. If Hellenism and Roman polytheism were the same, if the people who practiced it truly believed they were the same, there'd be no need for them to be separate religions. But that's what you have. You have Hellenists today, and you also have people who practice the Roman religion. Um, if they believe yeah, that the gods were the yeah. same, if, if they yep. believe the gods and the cultures were the same, there'd be no need for them to be separate. But they, they're not the same. I got you. There's probably and there's probably opinions in all of those places. Okay. Um, so Hecate. Hecate is like wildly popular right now. How does she fit into okay. all of the? Is she a part of the Greek mythology? I mean, absolutely. Of course she is. Um, can you talk about Hecate a little bit? I mean, she's she's having a life that's quite active right now. That's the only way to phrase it. Um, if if worship is part of the game, I see a lot of people talking about it. And yet, I think she's like one of the more misunderstood goddesses. Can you talk to you about that? How you see Hecate in that? And do you work with Hecate? You talked about the uh, 12 gods. Well, yeah, I mean, I worship all the Greek gods. Right. All of the gods, all the gods, spirits, and heroes. Um, I kind of lost my trance out there for a second. I'm sorry. Um, I don't. I don't use the term work with the gods because mm-hmm. the, the gods are not my equals. I work with my coworkers. I work with my bosses. Um, I don't work with gods because they. I don't. I don't have the same domain as them. They're above me, so there's no way I can possibly work with them. Um, they're they're far above anything I could conceive or achieve, and so we don't use that term. Um, <clears throat> we worship the gods. We invoke them into our lives um, because they like being a part of our lives. They like being a part of the things that we do. They 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 enjoy humanity. Um, they're fascinated by us. They adore us. Um, that, that's why you know they you know in in the ancient stories they sent us on so many adventures. They they set up so many things for us to do. They they sent oracles to to talk to us. Um, so that we could, you know, hear the gods through them. Um, the, the gods are fascinated by us. They love to take part in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, w- w- one thing about Hecate that I've always found interesting is that she's she's adopted a lot by modern Wiccans and witches. And her three forms of manifestation to them is the maiden mother and crone. But I don't think that's the way the ancient Greeks saw it at all. I think that her three formations refer to her three domains, which is heaven, earth, and the underworld. Because she's very much an earth goddess and an underworld goddess and a heavenly goddess. And I think those three manifestations are the three realms over which she rules. Mm-hmm. Or, or where, where she has domain, rather. Okay. Um, I personally uh, do not have a relationship with Hecate or, or even work with her, but I do know... Uh, Quite a few that too. It's, it's been impressive. One of the things I, I think in uh, Hecate's feast in November, I think November is it 16th or so, is always one that I think is is now moving into the Wiccan world. Uh, Wiccan is highly syner- synergetic and synchronetic, and I know that there there's more and more uh, the aspect of the crossroads has become much stronger in the keys. Oh, don't get me started on keys, but yeah, Hecate's keys. <laughs> it, it's it's that's everywhere. And so she's moving into pop culture, but she doesn't have the baggage of, say, Thor, not oh, not Thor, Hercules, or Zeus. Because I don't think she's depicted very much in pop culture. So I think she's... I don't she, think she is. Either. 
Yeah, there is no Hecate comic book yet. Not saying there won't be, but today there isn't, you know, you know, amazing adventures with, you know, Hercules and Hecate. I mean, she occasionally shows up, but not in the way that Hades and the other guys, Poseidon and all of them show up, you know. You know, in pop culture, I I didn't mind too much. I didn't mind too much the movie Hercules with Dwayne Johnson. Okay. I, 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 did, I didn't mind that. I, I didn't mind that too much. I didn't like some of the depictions, but sure. generally speaking, I, I, did, I didn't really mind that that much. Um, I, I didn't think it was a bad movie. Um, I also the the only Percy Jackson movie I've ever seen is uh, The Lightning Thief. I haven't even read the books because um, I'm I'm not really a big fiction person. I'm I'm really mm-hmm. into history, nonfiction, and things like that. I'm, I'm not a big you know fiction world kind of guy. Um, <clears throat> As far as the movie of Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief, to my memory, and you know, I saw it like back in like 2010, something like that, a long time ago. But to my memory, the only thing I didn't like about that movie was the portrayal of Hades um, being portrayed as the devil. Um, besides that, I don't really think I had a problem with that movie either. So th- th- there are some times when um, I either don't have a problem with the portrayal or I might even like the, the, the movie. I gotcha. So, you know, I think that with the new, oh, with the new series on, is it Netflix or Hulu? I don't remember, but there's a new series happening now. Uh, I think it's Hulu. My Hulu. And I think that's going to bring in, and I, we've heard this before. We we call them Potter Witches, uh, and I've heard them uh, Marvel Bros. Uh, um, you know, I've seen that, you know, the, the Viking movement. So I have no doubt this will impact the Hellenistic or the idea of Greek gods. Um, we've seen this wave after wave. Um, that you know the TVs come on, it does spur about amount of interest. A certain amount of people want to find out because they're lost in their spirituality. They find out. So if people want to find you, how do they find you? Me personally, or my temple? However, you want them to communicate with you. They're listening to you. They've heard you. Oh. How would they reach out to you? How would you like them to find you and talk about whatever about all of this? Okay, well, um, like you said, my website is caldridge.net. Um, mm-hmm. The website of my temple is uh, totgg.org, and that stands for Temple of the Greek Gods. And, and we have that, that, at that website, you can learn everything about my temple. Um, but if you want to learn about me, you go to my personal website. Sure, I think that, and like you said, it connects out through to your temple. So. It's in, the, it's in the notes on the show, so you can always go back to it. Okay, so let's go ahead and, and bring this forward. Um, interesting uh, of it. So one of the things I think America does, and I think I see you, you're a proud American, absolutely. But one of the things America does is that we, we definitely made the Romans, the Senate look Roman. Absolutely. We have so right. much Greek, you know, we talk about the Greek influence and everything else. Do we see, is there, is there a way, because a lot of people hold on to these, is Greek mythology, Hellenism, is it really a part of, say, the, the backbone of America? Is it something we should be paying more attention to? Or, you know, that sort of thing as we, you know, as the idea of free worship and we know we have the Christian noise. And we have, you know, all sorts of other things. And there we have people who are really kind of getting into nativism and things like that. Where does Hellenism fit into the, like, the American reality for us? For you, if you can. Freedom of, and I freedom of mind, body, and spirit. 
Freedom. So it's a freedom issue. You think the freedom, freedom of mind, body, and spirit. What's a good answer? Um, and how would they pursue that? I mean, so they can come to contact your temple. You guys, do you, you teach that as part of your system? Is that the core of your system? I'm really glad you asked that question because um, on my temple website last year, I actually finished finished a um, basic Hellenic theology uh, education page that people can go to, and it's absolutely free. So if you want to be educated more deeply, um, which will go far beyond the 12 Olympians, a lot of people don't know anything about the Greek gods beyond Olympus. They don't really know anything about Greek mythology or Greek culture beyond, you know, uh, like the Trojan War or something like that. So mm-hmm. you go on our school's website, you'll find a very wonderful Hellenic education outlet that's completely free. It's called Hellenic Theology 101. I direct people there a lot, and I think that I think to this day it's the most viewed page on the website. That makes sense. So there you go. I'm glad we did ask that because that's what we're out there because I know that as we're reaching out to the world, we're reaching into uh, liminal spaces, but we're also into non-traditional spaces. We're looking for people who are looking to connect. And I believe the pagan world has got a lot of people to connect, I think more so than than they realize. And uh, so this has been a presentation with Chris Alters, uh, Temple of the Greek God. So what do they call you? Are you a priest? Are you? Do you have an official like, title? Head priest. I know. Head priest? I mean, you mentioned that right in the yeah. beginning. I was just curious if, that, if that's uh, still appropriate or if they're older. I know some people are starting to use, trying to find and dig deep into older names. Um, but there's terrific. So there's a lot more probably, but you can reach them out there. Uh, so would you like to leave us any thoughts, last thought or prayer or anything else? You have the last word. Just love the gods and each other because in the end there's nothing else. There we go. And I really appreciate uh, Chris coming on. And we're going to have him back. I think that, I think he's uh, he's given us a, a path in. I think there's a lot of energy there. Um there you and and go and we really appreciate it. Um, so the part of the breaking news, and we go ahead and finish this off with some breaking news. Yes, Rabbi, uh, the Rabbi who's so far about to return to paganism as a godless religious entity, will be speaking January 18th at Vanderbilt in Nashville, Tennessee. Mary Hawk is going to be on top of that. If you are in Tennessee and are a student staff member or um, faculty of the Vanderbilt University, please contact Pagan World immediately as we continue to cover these stories. And so with that, folks, we'll be back on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, we will have the most incredible interview from Oberon Zell. Um, so blessings, everybody. And today we're going to end with a uh, with this. We're going to talk about uh, the SOYB service and they have for children. Doom. Hi, everybody. We're back with Pagan Books and with one of my favorite people, Chris Copeland. Uh, speak your own books. One of those radically new companies that took advantage of the change of the world and is able to help you produce the book of your dreams. And all you have to do is be able to speak. So, hi, Chris. How are you doing? Hi, Ed. That's a great introduction. Very, very flattering. Thank you very much. I appreciate and that. And it's the truth. You're helping a lot of people get published. Um We've and had a I, lot of fun in the past few years, yeah. And this today we're going to uh, accentuate one of your books that you've you, your company has helped produce, and that is for children. 
Yes, yeah. Uh, so today we're talking about Yule at Nisa Haken, mm-hmm. and uh, you can see here the the cute little drawings uh, that were made by a Dutch artist. Um, his name is Peter de Metz, and he's also a stick and poke tattoo artist, um, and he's uh, uh, a very talented artist and uh, just a really nice guy too. Uh, in addition to that, we have uh, Furfe, who is uh, he's the author of the book, and he is from Argentina. Uh, he's also written another book that's available on our website. So uh, it's a, a collection of short stories. Really, if you like um, things like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Human Human or Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, then you'll really like his stuff. It's very similar to that in style. Um, yeah. So, so that's pretty amazing. So Yule, and if you're hearing this, you still have time. Where do you get them? Let me go ahead right away. Where do you get it? Speakyourownbook.com forward slash S-Y-O-B bookstore. You can also just go straight to our homepage and click on S-Y-O-B bookstore. Um, the book itself, uh, it, if you, it should be at the top of the page. We'll, we'll make sure it's uh, up there mm-hmm. for this for the season. Um, but yeah, we wanted to focus on this one because it's getting close to Yule time. So if you're looking for um, a gift to give a pagan child um, or a Wiccan child uh, or someone in the, the spiritual community who might enjoy it, um, mm-hmm. yeah, check out our website and you can order either the print copy or the PDF copy. And the cool thing about it is that you can color uh, the drawings on the inside. So it's also a coloring book for children. Wow, that's that's good. Um, I've noticed there's a lot more materials coming out about um, kids' books. But what makes this one, this Yule, why would somebody want this Yule book? I mean, yeah, versus some of the other things that are out there. But what makes this a good children's book? Uh, well, it has a really good lesson in it overall. So, um, you know, it, the, the book itself is fun and sweet and cute, um, but it also tells a really beautiful story about uh, a little girl who moves to a new town and kind of her fears and worries about that and how she um, manages to, to make friends anyway uh, and um, is able to uh, understand Yule and come to know what Yule is. So it's a lot of... Um, uh, dealing with, you know, some of the things that maybe kids are, are going through sometimes, like dealing with moves and dealing with making new friends and things like that. So it really speaks to, like, uh, the inner child or the children's parts. The idea of acceptance and, and diversity. Because you're very yeah. big into having that taught to people, that you yeah. want that you want this idea. So it's a gentle book in the sense of the idea of diversity. It's It's that sort of thing that, you know, what does it take to be accepted in a new community? Yeah, absolutely. The the family featured, uh, they're all a, a family of color. So, um, and and what's amazing about this book is that the little girl in it, uh, in our in bulk book for this same series, she grows up and she is uh, married to uh, a woman in that book. And uh, they're talking about their their child goes through a journey for in bulk, a similar journey. Um, and also that one was written by Furfe uh, as well. Um, so you can check out that one. It's on the website too. Yeah. And it's not too early to get in bulk because that's February 2nd. You know, it, it, yes. it, traditionally, I mean, yes, it will be talking about the diversity of practices in the future. Uh, there it is. Um, so in this project of the book, 
what does it take to actually write a children's book? Um, honestly, it takes, uh, well, for, for, it can, that can take a lot of different forms, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, so with, with the books that we did for this one, um, we had Farfay, uh, start out by writing a rough draft of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he spent a, a couple hours researching and a couple hours thinking about how the storyline would go and then sketched it out roughly. Uh, after that, we had um, a meeting on WhatsApp and uh, discussed it with the, the artist as well as the editing team, um, which included myself. Uh, occasionally, Maureen was there for helping with note-taking and Esther, one of our editors. Um, and we went through it line by line, word by word, and uh, we also received feedback on it from Monica Crossan, another one of our pagan authors. Um, and from there, we... Uh, uh, had Furfe go back and finish the editing from our notes, and um, then he sent the the pages or the content over to Peter, and Peter drew out the the the, the uh, drawings that went with it. After that, we put it together um, in a uh, word processing program or Photoshop-like pro program, and then uh, turned it into a book and put it on our website. So. This is very knowledgeable for people who do want to create books and things of that nature. Um, so let me get one last thing. I understand you have a new service or a service that you're putting out for children and grandchildren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, or it could be nieces and nephews. It could be, you know, any child that uh, you would like to have something unique for, mm -hmm. for uh, a Yule gift this year um, or in, in preparation for next year if it might take a, a bit longer to, to finish. But we can do this for basically any topic, not just Yule, um, and it can be whatever storyline uh, that you would like, and we can make your child or the child that's special in your life the center of the book, the main character. Um, and we will create a, a story with you with one of our talented writers. Um, we can also uh, commission one of our uh, artists to do the artwork for you. Um, or if you uh, are creative and would like to try that, then you're welcome to do that too. We can customize it to fit um, whatever you're looking for. And your child can have uh, their very own book with themselves as the main character. That is so cool. But today, you should be going out and getting – how do you pronounce that? Yule at Yule at Nisahagen. Uh, so that Nisa comes from, Yeah, it comes from Norse, uh, and um, the the these characters are um, tiny little elves that live in uh, the forest near uh, the village. And uh, they help to show her what is going on with the Holly King and the Oak King and, and their yearly fight, their yearly battle. And one more time, where can they get that? The you know, simplest place to go get it is? SpeakYourOwnBook.com. Yeah. There you go. So, folks, that's the next book, Yule at Niesenhalmen. It's, it's interesting. I'm going to get one for my grandchildren and, uh, and, and enjoy. And, uh, and we'll be back with more Pagan Books. As you know, pagan books, books are the most common denominator in our community, and we need to preserve them. Yes. Uh, so blessed to be. Thank you for being with me, and we'll talk again soon. And you've been listening to Pagan World Radio Network, the growing and expanding center of uh, the community, being a voice for the chorus that is the pagan community. I'm Ed the Pagan signing out, and I hope that you will join us again.